thanks for joining me on the fourth series of my podcast, Beyond the Water Cooler. As usual, we'll be covering all things that shape employee experience that ultimately impact on engagement, performance and loyalty. Whether that's about leadership style, psychological safety, mental well-being, companies' impact on society, neurodiversity and so much more, there is something for everyone. I'm your host, Lisa. As a psychologist and psychotherapist in my business, It's Time for Change, I get to make a real difference in the world of people. Working with companies who want to be great, with inspiring leadership, an awesome culture and a wow workforce, that's my thing. And that's what this podcast is all about. You know those challenges and questions that can occupy your headspace, perhaps working out how to support people or how to develop a better way of working or how to increase capacity while keeping people on your side? Well, I'm your soundboard, problem and picker, and guide to doing things that ultimately increase employee happiness. My mantra is simple, get people right, get business right. So let's dive in. Actually, we're not diving in quite yet. Firstly, I wanted to welcome you back to part two of this conversation with Dr. Sean Andrews, who joins me to highlight the strengths of women in the workplace, celebrating the great cause that is International Women's Day. Sean had so much to say that I hit pause partly through her outlining the seven superpowers. So let's pick up from where we left off. We're about to get into emotional intelligence. So these next two relate to emotional intelligence. So empathy and millions of people. So in my my research, I, I actually interviewed participants at Fortune 500 company. I interviewed women at four different levels uh, of a company. I looked at administrative assistant, middle manager, director, VP, and executives. I gave them all an EQ assessment followed by in-depth interviews. And then I also looked at the data around EQ and what that showed and compared the two. And empathy is the one EQ skill that women not only score higher than men in, but they're three times higher. So that is the one skill there. Women are significantly higher than men is empathy. Uh, again, uh, also linked to our hardwiring. I, I would also say um, a bit of how we're socialized as well. You know, we're socialized. Women are mm. socialized to be empathetic and great at relationships. Mm. Oftentimes. Even, but caveat again, not all women are naturally empathetic. So this is a skill. This is a skill that you can learn. But for many women, it is a natural trait that they do have and they do use, uh, you know, consistently. So, and so and, do you have, do you have, um, because that's a really interesting point, but, you know, it is a skill that people can learn because I think um, empathy is one that people can struggle with. They kind of get the whole idea of, communication because it's almost like it's tangible but empathy is that stuff that we just don't see happening (laughs) um so what would be your advice um in terms of you know people whether they're women who struggle with empathy because um they're kind of that minority or or whether this men are listening and thinking actually okay I know I actually need to have more empathy how do I develop that what would be kind of have you got key skills like sort of ideas that you could give them yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I can uh, just sharing a little personal story of myself. Uh, so I've I've been teaching and I, I'm a certified practitioner in emotional intelligence assessment. 
And I've been teaching it for years and I've taken a number of, taken the assessment probably six, four, five, five or six times and all different EQ assessments. Mm. Empathy for me was my lowest skill. I, I actually was my lowest skill on, on EQ, on the EQI oh, okay. you know, assessment. Uh, I was high and, and, and off the charts in some other skills, but because I was so high in those skills, empathy it came at the cost of empathy. Mm-hmm. And so this is something for me that I've had to develop and um, become more aware of. So, so first of all, the awareness was key. No, looking at that first EQ report probably ten years ago and thinking, "Wow, I, I need to really, you know, work on this and, and put some, be mindful of it." Uh, yeah. That helped a lot. Um, because now that that score has come up over the years and a lot of people report me as they think I, they feel that I'm empathetic. And so it absolutely is a skill you can work on and improve. Um, so it's essentially the ability to read the emotional needs of others and respond in a way that's appropriate. So what does this look like in the workplace? You know, what's it look like demonstrated? So a few examples for you is, you know, perhaps you frame messages differently depending on your different audience. Um, You select the most appropriate means of communication. Um, One example I love to give is how do you, what format, how do you communicate with others? You know, are you a texter primarily? Do you email primarily? You know, do you prefer face-to-face? Do you prefer phone calls? Most people, when I ask that question, how do you communicate with others? most people will say the style that they're most comfortable with. Hmm. So let, let's say you're more, most comfortable emailing, but your colleague's a texter and prefers text, or maybe your boss prefers pick up the phone or come to my office, meet face-to-face. So knowing, having the awareness, but having the empathy enough to be aware of how others prefer to be, communicate, that's empathy. Hmm. So- that is an area that we definitely can be in tune to and work on more. Mm-hmm. Uh, collaborating, um, collaboration with your team by understanding the emotional makeup of your team members. You know, who's motivated by what? You know, what, what what's their key drivers? Um, you know, who, who maybe who's impulsive? You know, who manages their emotions? You know, um, being a more effective collaborator based on the, the emotional makeup of your team. That's empathy. Uh, and then another example of how it shows up is just concerning others' feelings in your decision-making. So these are all ways that you can improve and hone in on your empathy skills. And listening, I would say, I would add, I would add to that is probably one of the biggest things that's going to help make you more empathetic. If, if this is not your strong suit, um, focusing on being a better listener as well. Um, in my you know early days, uh, I, I would often just I'd be waiting to speak. You know, I would wait for a time where I could jump in and share my opinion. And then I learned over the years that one, that's not very empathetic or or courteous to do to others. So I have to now, now I'm much better at it. But I actually had to restrain myself in you know ten years ago and say wait, don't jump in, focus on the moment, the present moment, focusing on listening to learn and listening to understand. That really helped me to reframe my listening skills and and my empathy improved as a result. And I think also that, which is part of listening, being able to reflect back. So hearing what someone's saying, reflecting it and recognize when you're reflecting back, 
you know, it looks like, or it seems like, or I'm hearing that. And just having, just letting that person know that they have been heard and you understood. And it's that sense of standing in their shoes and feeling it or seeing it from their perspective. And I think that's the bit that so often is missed. It's like, I'm only seeing this problem or whatever's going on from where I'm standing right now. You need to get out of that spot and go and stand where someone else is seeing it. Um, and and communicate that you understand that even if it's not doesn't fit with your your own perception it doesn't you know it's not part of your values uh whatever that 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 sense their perspective is valid and we have to accept that whatever their view is that's their view and we have to hear that before we can move on yeah well said yeah it's a fantastic point yeah because what what you're listening because you're you know, when we're listening to other people, our minds are racing, right? Like, okay, I'm thinking about that. I'm analyzing it. I'm comparing it to an experience I had. And then what am I going to, what am I going to say next? So there's a lot going through your head, but that's the beauty in reflecting back is to, to ensure if you're on even on the right track. Mm -hmm. So if you reflect back and say, well, you know, what I hear you saying is you may, you may be completely off topic of what they may say. No, I'm not saying that at all. That's, yeah. That's the beauty in that reflecting back, just to make sure you're aligned and you're you're truly on the same page with what they're trying to say. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's really interesting because I always get the joke of when if people don't know who I am or what I do, and they hear I'm a psychologist, and you always have that kind of joke about, oh, you're going to be analysing me then. And it's like, no, 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 I'm just listening. <laughs> and I'm just hearing you. And it's actually, that doesn't take a psychologist to do that. It just needs people who are interested and want to listen um yeah. and I think there's a real you know some people are just too quick to just as you say jump in or just assume things just try and move on without actually just creating a space and I think it's really interesting with the level of burnout in a lot of companies now and the pace of change and trying to solve these problems and it's the levels it's almost getting more complex what's going on in organizations and I just keep saying to people just stop and strip things back and just create space. If we can create space to have really good conversations where we are really understanding, as you say, your drivers, um, you know, what really interests people, what do they know, what do they feel? And we get back to the kind of the basics, then actually you've got all the information there that you need to be able to solve half these problems. And it creates that sense of, I can put down half this the concern that's on my shoulders because I know I know I've been heard. <laughs> so it's yeah. and for me it's not rocket science. It's just about creating that sense of space so we can all listen and hear each other better. Yeah, and just and empathy. It doesn't if you're not good at empathy. If it's not if it's not a strength of yours, it's it doesn't mean you're a bad person. Uh, I I find a lot of times extroverts have a really hard time with this this one because. It, it, it is tied into our listening skills and being present. And a lot of times, if you're an extrovert, you know, you have high energy and you want to, you know, want to get out what you want to say, you know, mm. it's just, you got to say it, you know, it's just, mm. eat you, you got to get it out. But trying to have, trying to manage that, you know, impulse to do that. And just like you said, create space, be in, and really listen with intention. That is a skill and it's hard at first. If, if it's, you're not naturally empathetic, it is a skill you can learn. And for me, not, not jumping in, not interrupting people, really just listening to what they're saying has made a huge difference in my ability to be more empathetic. Mm. And for women, as I mentioned, this skill is three times higher than men. It's the one skill 
where women by far outperform men in EQ. There's other skills where women are high, but empathy is the highest of the of all the EQ skills. Really interesting. And thank you for sharing your ideas about how people can develop that, because I think that's a, if people can just go away from listening to this um, podcast to think, actually, yeah, this is what I'm going to go and do, um, or I'm going to I'm going to get my male colleagues to listen to this so that this is what they might go and do. Yeah. Um, there will be good things that happen. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so number five. Okay, number five. Yeah, we actually already hit seven, which was grit resilience. So we yeah. just have two more. So interpersonal relationships is also an EQ skill, and it's another area where women tend to score higher than men overall, and millions of people that's taken EQ assessments. Uh, so again, this goes back to our socialization and our hardwiring is we're, uh, women focus on relationships, women be, being raised in a female culture, women value relationships. These are also messages we get very early on, excuse me, in the games we play as children and from actually every, all the media we consume, you know, um, you know, books we read, the movies we watch, our teachers, our parents, uh, your coaches, perhaps at school, but but girls learn very early on to to preserve relationships at all costs, and that relationships are the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And um, and so this is a EQ skill again, where women score higher than men, um, and it's the ability to build uh, mutually satisfying relationships. So just a, a couple examples here. So what's this look like in the workplace? It's the, going back to those nonverbals, the ability to read nonverbal body language can, uh, helps boost interpersonal relationships. Um, the ability to build rapport easily, uh, mm-hmm. the ability to manage and mediate conflict uh, is a result of good interpersonal relationships. And then uh, having relationships characterized by trust and compassion. So mm-hmm. these are skills that tend to be naturally uh, in women. And so this is uh, another superpower that women can absolutely leverage. Uh, and, and just uh, one other point about this, was, what's interesting is um, when it comes to networking and relationships in general, women tend to have larger networks than men do, but men leverage their networks better. So when you think of networking in an office environment, um, you know, men will walk around the office, They'll message what they're doing consistently to their 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 bosses or their you know uh, managers mm. consistently. You know that that's a natural uh, behavior in the male culture. Women tend to be very different when it comes to networking and, and uh, tapping into our relationships. Women um, oftentimes will, will stay in their offices doing great quality work, and they hope to get they hope they'll get recognized and noticed for that work. But at the end of the day, so let's say three months down the line, your manager has an opening on his or her team. Who are they going to think of? They mm-hmm. often think of the person that's been in their office six times in the last three mm-hmm. months, and that's generally the male. So, yeah. so what's it's just an interesting caveat here is that women are so if women just leveraged their vast networks, it would go a long way. You know, tapping more into you know, messaging what you're doing, you know, at least once in a while. Uh, so your, your, your managers mm-hmm. know, you know, the, the great work you're doing, but also tapping into your, your, perhaps your LinkedIn network or your social networks, just once in a while, reaching out to people, checking in on how they're doing and how you can mutually help each other and benefit each other. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
it, this is a skill, but I think the networking piece women could improve on, but know that your ability to build relationships is uh, another skill that comes naturally for many women. I think it's really interesting hearing you say that actually, because, um, you know, I see women being quite good at um, checking in, uh, you know, making time for coffee or just the kind of little messages going back and forwards much more than men but it's all about that's almost the emotional level of how are you doing rather than this is what I am doing <laughs> so it's yeah. that it's that difference between um keeping your relationships up by you know through that interest in how someone is versus actually I'm networking to let people know who I am in terms of what I am doing right now what I'm achieving what I'm capable of and kind of shouting about this is why I'm brilliant. And I think that's that's one of the key differences I see a lot. And that's where and I know people who um, coach women will talk a lot about that's that's a really big area of, of um, kind of development is that confidence of saying, actually, yeah, I'm really great at this. And this is why you should consider me for this role rather than I'm going to keep quiet, as you say, hope I'm noticed. And by the way, I'm going to point out why I'm not so great at this role. I'm not going to go for the role because I don't tick every single box. I only tick eight out of the 10 and and I don't feel I can blag it. Whereas the guy over here who ticks six of them, he's like, yeah, I'm great. So I think it's a real confidence difference, isn't there? <laughs> there is. There is. And actually, when, when um, if you do share the link to the seven superpowers of men, that yes. is one of them that comes across from men. Um, right. But for, for women, uh, and I and I love how you just put that, Lisa. Is it, the really the difference there is the how versus the what. Mm. So when women check in with other people to to build their relationships, women focus more on the how. How you doing? You know, getting um, you know more about the well being of the person. Yeah. Whereas yeah. men, uh, well, I actually I would think more about the what. You know, what what's going on? You know, what am I doing? And so. Oftentimes when it comes to networking in general, uh, you know, in, I think we've all heard this thousands of times is that many women, they think it's a little smarmy, um, you know, they're, they're not comfortable with it. They don't want to be self-promotional. And I get that, totally get that. But there are ways to also message what you're doing to your colleagues that are your bosses in ways though that are, that might be more appropriate for you. So maybe you know, you're not comfortable walking around the office, you know, talking to, about what you're doing, but you know, you can send, you can send a short summary email once a month to your boss saying, you know, a recap of, you know, who I've met with this month, you know, what I've accomplished and progress towards your goals. That's another way of letting, you know, letting others, letting your higher ups know how you're doing. And that also affects your interpersonal relationships. So there are ways to go about it to, um, to do that. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think it, at a core level, we, we do have a different approach when it comes to others. So we got one more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the last one is intuition. So this one, I wouldn't think comes... It, doesn't shouldn't come as a surprise to most of you uh is you know women's intuition but intuition often is undervalued in the workplace and it doesn't get it rarely gets talked about actually um but it, it's your gut it, your gut instinct it's your little voice and so here's why it's important uh and this was a, a so several years back there was a 
uh, a company that were sharing a, a scenario with me and they were telling me about this. So what they did is they had two managers meeting and then they had a, a glass. So it was like a, a glass office. And then on the other side of the office was the rest of the team. And the team was watching the interaction between these two managers talking. And one of the, so when it, the conversation was done with these two managers, um, one of the team members said, would you guys, you know, would you all see, would you pick up on? And no, and nobody really said anything. Uh, oh, nothing. It seemed fine. Blah, blah, blah. So everyone goes along their way. And one of the women in the group walked up to the, the facilitator or whoever was asking that. And she said, they really don't like each other very much, do they? And the facilitator said, how did you know that? And she goes, I just, I, I just have a sense. She, and she, what she was doing through this glass is picking up on their body language and their nonverbal clues. Nobody else in the group picked up on it. Mm. So oftentimes women are doing this constantly, but we downplay, we downplay this intuitive power, you know, this intuitive skill that we have to read what's going on. So oftentimes women can sense tension, since conflict, since, uh, you know, anxiety, stress. Um, but we, we just assume everyone else has seen it, but that is not always the case. So this is a superpower for women because it's your little voice and it's your ability to pick up on clues and don't assume that other people are seeing what you see. Mm -hmm. uh, and also value what you see. Don't underestimate that because your intuition is incredibly powerful um, especially in, to help you navigate the workplace. Yeah. And I think it's, um, it's interesting, isn't it? Cause I know so in the nature of leadership and, um, management, there are a lot of managers who are male and I think it's their, um, lack of intuition, which means they didn't so pick up on the signs that something isn't right in their team or their, the members of their team. And I think that's really, uh, become more evident in recent years with, the you know people are now talking much more around mental wellness and yeah. burnout and people feeling isolated and you know there's a whole kind of there's a whole raft of new areas that people that people managers need to get their head around recognizing that something's not right and then knowing what to do about it and of course those are predominantly then in in a way female characteristics that female traits in terms of my intuition says that something doesn't feel right. This person hasn't touched base today. They normally do. I've noticed that or they're speaking and I, their tone's a bit different or whatever it is. It's just noticing. And then obviously it's the, the communication bit afterwards. But that intuition, I think you sometimes take for granted that, well, of course, haven't you, haven't you noticed so-and-so doesn't have seen themselves? No, it's like, I just don't, I haven't felt it. And I and I think that's a um, quite a gap for a lot of managers who are, struggling with a sense that they're supposed to be doing more and noting this stuff and they, they just don't see it. Yeah. And, and men also are socialized mm. uh, to not show emotions in the workplace and not tap into their, uh, you know, their soft skills, for example. Mm. And, but this, and, and so the reason this, this should be called out is because this is the ability to pick up on what's not being said is powerful. And oftentimes men, they don't have the skill. They have not developed the skill and innately they don't have the skill as much as women do. So, so recognize this, this is a skill for you. It's a superpower. 
and listen to it and value what it's saying. And, and don't assume again, that others see or seeing what you do or seeing what you're seeing, because I, so many cases out there, so many times I've heard women say, I knew it, but mm. I just didn't say anything because I thought everyone else knew it too. Mm. And most of the times that's not the case. So, you know, don't listen to your little voice because it, it it is powerful and it can help um, really be a positive force in, in helping you guide, guide you and help navigate your careers. That's a good bit of advice. Just listen to that little voice because I think the number of people I hear, like you just said, who have that voice and um, they just push it away. They just turn the volume down on it. And it's like, actually, no, you got the, you know, you're, you're hearing the voice, turn the volume up, check it out, listen. <laughs> yeah. Check it out and follow up on it. Yeah. If needed. Yeah. 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 So why is it having heard about your seven superpowers or these seven superpowers, why is it that some women are more successful than others at achieving leadership roles and fulfilling and maintaining over time as leadership roles? Yeah, that's such a good question. (laughs) Um, I think there's a couple things at play. Uh, First of all, uh, grittiness and resilience. Um, The women that are grittier have developed, you know, the ability to persevere and, and keep persevering in spite of obstacles or because for sure i mean all women uh i, I would even venture to say all many if not all women experience these barriers to some extent mm. in their careers so to make it up to a leadership level or especially a senior executive leadership level uh you know you have encountered barriers so your ability to um to navigate through that is your perseverance, is your grittiness. So I think women who are have been gritty have been able to do that. Uh, I also think women who, going back to EQ traits, um, the women that straddle traits, so they use a blend of male and female traits, uh, both leader traits as well as emotional intelligence traits, are more tend to be more successful than others. There's a study uh, I'll, I'll quote you that's from. Uh, it's out of, uh, I think it's out of Stanford, I believe. Uh, let me just pull it up here. Okay. Yeah, Stanford. So Stanford Business School uh, did a study of 132 business school graduates and they followed them for eight years. And what they showed is that women who combine male and female qualities did better than all other groups uh, and they were promoted more often. So for example, when women had a blend of, so female emotional intelligence traits, uh, empathy, interpersonal relationships, social responsibility, blended with perhaps confidence, assertiveness, stress tolerance skills. So when women had a blend, those women were more successful than, um, so what what the Stanford study shows, uh, they were promoted one and a half times as often as masculine men and feminine women. They were promoted twice as often as feminine men and three times as often as masculine women. But mm-hmm. what's really interesting about this study is when men also had a blend of male and female traits, they didn't see the same advantage. But for women, there was an advantage. So when women had basically female traits, temp- feminine traits tempered with some masculine traits, those women were more successful. So I also think that is a differentiator for women who have been able to make it up to you know, executive level, maybe even CEO, um, have, have a blending 
of those traits combined with the grittiness. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And I think it kind of, I guess in a way that's common sense, isn't it? Um, if you can blend the traits, like you're going to get on better in a in a world and in companies that are maybe predominantly male-led at the moment. So you've got to fit in with the existing culture as well as trying to stay true to who you are. Well, it's it's I wouldn't say it's common it's it's common sense perhaps for for some women, but um not all individuals are adaptable. You know, some some people are better at adapting and flexing than others are. But in terms so, of common sense for us sitting here saying this is what women need to be doing, it's like, yeah, if we can kind of blend it and we can, you know, do a bit of this and a bit of that and kind of then it, that in a sense is common sense, but actually doing it is yes. quite different. <laughs> yeah, it is quite different. So so not all, you know, women are as adaptable as other women. Mm-hmm. So I, I also think that's another to answer your question, that's another mm-hmm. reason why some women are more successful than others is the ability to adapt in order to connect better with others. Yeah. And um, if you can do that, if you can better connect with others, you will be more successful in meeting your own agenda, but also help others meeting in their, in their agenda as well. One of the key reasons why some women are more successful than others is going back to their emotional intelligence is your ability to be flexible and adaptable. And that also ranges across individuals, right? Some people are more, some people embrace change more than others, of course. And some people are better able to adapt in order to connect better to other people. Mm -hmm. So I I think it's a combination of factors. And I think it's a really great question that you ask, (laughs) but combination of probably straddling a a blend of masculine feminine traits, especially for that leadership level. I think it's a grittiness. Uh, I think it's ability to adapt uh, and connect and the ability to embrace change. All those qualities combined, I think would mm-hmm. cause some women to be more successful than others. So um, a male colleague of mine has asked a question, which um, is one that I hear a number of times. I'll be interested to hear your view on this. Is there a danger of some companies over-rotating and positively discriminating by promoting women into leadership positions, not based on their ability, but based on their gender? Uh, I don't see that as a realistic situation uh, because I don't think any company, when it comes down to it, is going to actually promote or even hire simply based on a characteristic. Mm. Uh, Now, so, so we could talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, right? So there's tons of data to show that companies that are more diverse and inclusive outperform those that are not on a whole host of measures. So we know this, right? But I hear all the time that it com- you know, it's got to be based on merits and it's got to be based on their accomplishments, not on their characteristics, such as race, ethnicity, gender, age. LGBTQ, ability, or disability. Um, So we wouldn't hire someone just because they're in a certain category, right? So I don't think any company is actually going to do that if they don't have the qualifications. But here, so here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. There are plenty of candidates out there in these categories under the diversity umbrella Mm -hmm. that are more than qualified. There's 
thousands of people out there who are qualified and also diverse. So, uh, and I often hear from, I, I, I don't hear it as much, but I still hear it from companies saying, well, there just aren't any diverse candidates out there in our field. That is, not, then they're not looking in the right places or they're not looking hard enough. Um, Google, there's a great example from Google is, so technology is famously known for being largely Caucasian, Asian, Caucasian and Asian male. Mm. It's the bulk of their workforce. Uh, most of our big tech companies have, that's the bulk of their workforce. So um, what Google, Google has spent millions, over 265 million in unconscious bias training for their managers. And what they realized in this process is that the schools they were recruiting from, they were only recruiting from the same, you know, couple of schools in their geographical area. So what Google did is they expanded the companies that they were recruiting from, looking for different engineers, different roles. And lo and behold, they start getting a diverse crop of candidates. Mm. So I think it's oftentimes uh, where you're recruiting from, how you're recruiting, what you're looking for. There are plenty. Mm. Uh, the pipeline, is, I would even say, is overflowing with diverse diversity candidates, women as well as other types of diversity that are more than qualified for roles. So, the, does that question? I love that answer. I think that's good. And so, I guess as we kind of begin to think about, um, I could talk with you another hour, but we need to wrap <laughs> up. Um, in terms of the difference that raising awareness around gender differences is going to make in the workplaces in the future um you know it'd be interesting to think about what are the key things that you would like I guess firstly women to take away from listening to this episode so in terms of them becoming more aware of their superpowers what should they be doing differently and then I would love to hear what you would what like men to be doing differently being more aware of women's superpowers yeah. So for women, there's, there's, there's lots of, actually my answer is there's lots of things for both. Uh, so here's some examples. So what, what can women do? Uh, based on our conversation today, actually this, this actually feeds in really well to this, is, is first of all, be authentically female because you offer tremendous assets. Um, you have tremendous assets and superpowers as we've talked about and your skills are highly relevant to both business and leadership today. So know that, be authentically female, don't be afraid to leverage those superpowers. Uh, I would say for women to believe in your vision, what you're noticing, so your intuition, your gut that we talked about, uh, and also believing and focusing on your relationships, your empathy and your communication skills. Those are all strong traits for women. Mm. Uh, leveraging your networks more, you know, you have that, most women have vast, diverse networks, a blend of male and female, and a blend of diversity as well. Tap into those more, don't be afraid to uh, communicate what you're doing uh, on occasion. Um, have confidence in your knowledge and your abilities, including your ability to figure things out. And uh, I, I, there's one more I'd, I'd add to this, and that's support other women. And you know, this is actually getting better uh, than it used to be. Uh, you know, 10, 20 years ago, uh, women didn't support other women quite as well, but that that is changing. And I think that's a very positive sign. So, you know, we need to support each other, you know, promote each other actually 
yeah uh, in, in in the workplace okay good advice so what about for the guys listening yeah so guys this is actually really positive for you as well so what can men do to be better allies right for women in the workplace is and and then I'll then I'm going to tell you your benefits if you do this so <laughs> first of all is what can men do and I often hear this as well myself, you know, men come to me, so well, what can I do? You know, I want to be a better ally. I just don't know what to do. So you can hire you women, you could promote more women, you can develop more women, um, you know, recommend women for you know, leadership development programs, for example, you can mentor more women, you can sponsor women, which is different than mentoring, right? It's advocating for women when they're not in the room. Uh, so hire, promote, mentor, sponsor, uh, support. Um, so there's a number of positive things, but what data has showed that when men are allies to women and support women in these different ways, men reap many positive benefits as well. Men become, uh, viewed as valued rainmakers in their organization. They're, um, they gain knowledge and skills from supporting women. They, know, they learn a lot. It actually oftentimes boosts their careers as too. too. It makes them look thinking of EQ skills. It mm -hmm. makes them more empathetic. It makes them better listeners, better communicators. Uh, even There's even data that shows that it helps men be better uh, fathers and husbands as well. So there's, and this is all tied to men being better allies for women. So there's lots of positive benefits men can reap by supporting women in the workplace. And we, we will simply not get anywhere close to gender parity, especially in leadership without men on board. So men are critically important in this. We will not get there without men. So, so, so if you, men who are listening, you are critically important and, um, you know, we need you to be male allies, but, and it, but it's, it's all good. What's coming, what's going to come back to you from that is all positive. And that's what that's such is. a lovely way almost to draw this conversation to a close, because um, I think it shows the benefits of really investing in gender equality and raising awareness and um, kind of, just pushing that a bit more in the in the workplace because I think it's too easy to say, well, we're just different, or um, actually, it's not my concern. But actually, when you know, if you're one of those people who's just motivated by what good's going to come of it for you, then you summarise that really well. That actually, by supporting women, um, there are benefits uh, for for men in the company as well. So I think you've summarised that brilliantly. I have got one final question for you, Sean, if that's okay. Um, Nicola Weir who's a director at Deloitte uh, was a recent guest on this podcast and she's provided me with a question um, which I do a blind question for the end of uh, every podcast episode so what change can you make today that your children will be proud of tomorrow mm. <laughs> what, what change can I make personally mm. well I guess yeah you Oh man, uh, <laughs> that's a that's a tough one. I, actually, it's a really good question. And it might not be you personally. It might be um, actually you. You have some good advice about companies. What companies can be 
can do today that will make you know the children of the you know the, the next generation proud but it could be something personal uh yeah i would um actually the company is what, what pops to mind first is i would i would say probably the one there's not just one thing there's many things but <laughs> I, I would say at the end of the day if, if there's one thing that company's focused on it's not so much the diversity piece it's it's more about uh it's the inclusion piece uh, it, it's it's like being mindful intentional but also taking action around the inclusion because inclusion impacts cultures of companies so mm. the makeup of the culture whether a company's inclusive or not is um is mm. inclusion also belonging is re- is linked to inclusion and we know that companies that are more inclusive then you're going to have people who feel more psychologically safe they feel like they belong they can express their ideas be their authentic selves at work have more engagement so um and then inclusion if you're truly set out to be an inclusive organization um you also will be mindful of equity and creating more e- equitable opportunities for all different all of your employees mm. regardless of characteristic or background or category um so I think the end of the day, it, when you look at DEIB and what companies can do, I think I think that would be the, the biggest priority is focus on being more inclusive. Because again, if you do that and you're successful at that, there's a whole host of positive benefits that's going to follow. And and you personally, I mean, you're talking about companies there, but for you personally, your whole mission your whole your whole role in terms of what you do day in day out Sean is about uh driving positive change in our workplaces and our culture in terms of gender equality and um you know it's every day you go and give another talk or you teach some more people on leadership course or whatever it's you're doing you're driving really positive change that you know the next generation are going to be proud of you're you're making a difference every day to something that's hugely important i'm i'm trying and i think you know the one thing i can do is just do more of it actually you know keep keep doing it and do more of it and even it, at a larger scale um because yeah you're right i am trying to drive positive change and bring you know ed- educate uh bring awareness and by doing that you empower people and you help I think there's a there's a, a slide I use in my presentations that I just love that how are we going to get there? How are we going to become more diverse and inclusive? How are we going to close the leadership gender gap, you know, that exists been existed for decades? We get there through dialogue. We get there through talking. So talking can change minds. Minds changes behaviors. If we can change behaviors, that's going to transform organizations. And that can transform the world. So that's how we get there. It's through education, through dialogue, through talking through these issues, because eventually that should have a ripple effect and impact, have a positive change on the world. So that is a brilliant place to stop, Sean. <laughs> I am so delighted to to have you join me today because you are so engaging it's like you're you're clearly so passionate about this you know this inside out and the thing I really like is are you know what you're talking about we you know we know that there's a sense of 
you know, intuition or communication differences or empathy and so on. But actually, you're, what you're talking about is based on a whole heap of research. It's based on, it's not just someone who's um, kind of talking about it just from their own experience or from a bit of reading. You know, you've done a shed load of work that has gone into this. Um, and, you know, your book, uh, I will put in the show notes in terms of people can delve into that in a little bit more detail. But I think you've brought it to life and you've um, made kind of you've provided really good practical examples of how people can take this away and develop this, these uh, qualities, these superpowers more um, and also just put them to use if they've already got them. So um, I'm very, very, very grateful for your time today. It's been awesome talking to you. I'm just really also on a personal level. I'm just really delighted to to actually speak to you of the author of of something that I have enjoyed so much. So um, thank you very, very much, Sean. You're welcome. This was fun, Lisa. I think you you asked such excellent questions and I, I've really enjoyed this dialogue. So thanks for, thanks for the invitation. It was great to be on. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining me on the Beyond the Water Cooler podcast. I hope it's got you thinking about how you can make a real difference to company culture that enables people to really engage and thrive. And now it's your turn to help me, please. Rating my podcast and leaving a review means that my guests' messages spread further. And when I know what you've enjoyed, found helpful, what you'd like to hear discussed more of in the future and ideas for great guests, I can make sure I deliver. Let's continue the conversation about the points raised in this podcast, or perhaps you have other questions about employee experience and performance. You can email me at It's Time for Change, connect with me on LinkedIn, or why not pick up the phone? I love to walk and talk. My details are all in the show notes. So until next time, bye for now.